Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Financial Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Rakim Sabri, and I cover financial trauma and financial empowerment for people who look like me. I have a very special guest today. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but she is my personal finance bestie. Uh, when I first got into this space, uh, I want to say back in 2018, she told me all about FinCon. Um, she has the AFC. I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder, but like, she is the accountability buddy that made me go out and start this podcast. So a super big shout out to Tiffany Grant, and I'll let you uh, introduce yourself. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Rakim. And like I said, before we hit record, I'm so happy to be here because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for you. And I'm so glad that you took this step to get this podcast started on the topic that is so very important to our community. So my name is Tiffany Grant and I run Money Talk with Tiff, which is a financial education platform. Pretty much I love talking about money and teaching people about money and all the different facets around that. Um, so that's pretty much who I am and what I do. <laughs> well, give us a rundown of your, your background. Uh, I mean, you just, you are dope. <laughs> there's, there's no other word that encompasses it all. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, you're inspirational to me because um, I, I see you further down the path that I want to walk. And so I just think that it's super important that people know um, of all the wonderful things that you've done and how you've gotten to this point. Yeah, sure. Oh, wow. Um, where do I start? <laughs> All right. So um, I guess educational wise, um, I have a bachelor's in business administration with a concentration in management and I have my MBA. So my master's in business administration and I love business. I mean, from the time I was young, I've always loved business, had a business, always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My background, corporate background is in HR. Love that too. Don't get me wrong. So I have, you know, the ABC soup for that as well. We don't have to get into it because it's not pertinent for today. Uh, and then also recently, um, I would say what, last year, I got my accredited financial counselor. So my AFC. And that was helpful because I love coaching people or counseling people one-on-one -on -one in this space. And it's just important for people to, you know, get budgeting down, get debt down, get their goals together, that type of thing. So that's why I decided to do the AFC. Um, I teach at a university locally. I speak a lot. <laughs> um, so if you're looking for a speaker, I'm your girl. Uh, and I just do a lot of different things. I write, I freelance write. I have a podcast myself, Money Talk with Tiff. There's just a lot. That's why I'm like, I don't know where you want me to go with this. <laughs> but hopefully, no, you're, you're, yeah, no, you're you're spot on. And and like I said, you have kind of like shown me the pathway to how this thing works um, with the freelance writing, with the blog, with the podcast. I mean, we had an in-depth conversation recently about SEO and, um, you know, just your mastery and in, in, in the the space and how you like forward face and and get people to find you is just amazing so i just thought it would be valuable for people to um to hear that mm -hmm. i want to dig in to the afc um so of course we're talking about financial trauma we're talking about overcoming financial trauma and um the afc is actually the next designation that i want to go for personally i'm actually heading um to their conference uh, this month, actually, I think in a couple of weeks. So um, 
talk to us about the AFC. What is it? How has it um, helped your business? Um, I don't know if you mentioned that you do the financial coaching, but talk about how the AFC helps you in a coaching capacity um, to kind of augment like the traditional budgeting, saving, credit building, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, the AFCPE conference is coming up. I will not be there in person, but I'll be there virtually. Um, so I'll see you there virtually. Uh, but anyway, uh, when it came to my career, right? So I have been doing coaching since I started the blog, which was what, 2017? But, you know, the thing is, you can always learn something new, okay? So when I was looking at different um, certifications, things like that, you know, I used to study for the CFP. I mean, that was back in what, 2018. I, I went through like most of the coursework, just never took the test. Um, and then I looked at other routes. So like getting my series 65, um, actually took that test, failed twice. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I feel like the AFC route is more of where I want to go in this. This, uh, process and in this realm because, okay, looking at the AFC, there's two big certifications in this industry. There's the CFP and then there's the AFC. Now people are like, well, isn't one better than the other? Not really, because they, they do two different things. So when we're looking at the CFP, that's Certified Financial Planner. So they're looking at more of the financial planning lens. So they're looking at more long-term, okay? When we're looking at the AFC, we're looking at more short-term. So when I say that, and I have a lot of relationships with other CFPs um, that will refer people to me because they don't really handhold you. They're not going to walk you through budgeting and getting out of debt. You know, they might hit on it surface level, but they're not getting into the mindset. They're not meeting with you frequently. Usually when you work with a CFP, you know, you might get in quarterly or twice a year or maybe once a year um, to check in with them. Uh, but they have a whole different uh, side of things that they work on. So really the AFC and CFP can work in conjunction with each other uh, if you build the right relationships and you understand the differences between the two. So um, with the AFC, I'm looking at goal setting. I'm looking at your values. I'm looking at your mindset. I'm looking at, okay, let's make sure all of those things uh coincide with what you're saying you want to do with your money and making sure that the money is doing what you want it to do. Then we also look at, you know, debt payoff. We look at credit cards. We look at buying houses, buying cars, whatever, like immediate goals or even, you know, medium to long-term goals that you have. We're trying to make sure that you're on track to get there. Uh, so, that's pretty much how the AFC works. And I love it. And especially for what I've been doing, because it's right in line. Like I've been doing this since 2017 really is just like, oh, another checkbox, you know, or some more ABC soup next to my name. But also with going through the course material, I learned some new things. I learned, um, for instance, not to project my goals onto my clients, because uh, that's another thing that could happen when you're doing like financial coaching. You're like, well, I don't like debt, so you shouldn't pay debt either, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But really, it just depends on who the person is and having their feelings and having their um, values and goals 
as the forefront versus you trying to project your own. So there's like little tips like that that I learned during the course of the process, but I love having my AFC and it's been very helpful for me. That's dope. There's a couple of things I want to hone in on um, from your articulation. The first is the uh, the AFC and the CFP being like two like bigger uh, designations in the space. And um, I just came from the FTA conference, Financial Therapy Association. And um, there were a lot of people who held both. They had the CFP and the AFC. And then they have this third newer designation, which is the CFT, Certified Financial um, Therapist. Therapist, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and um, what's interesting is that, you know, my background is in banking. So I did, you know, 10 years in the banking industry. And I've, I have a lot of CFP connections as well. And I've been approached so many times um, around getting, you know, one of the licenses around getting the CFP, like, oh, Rakim, you would be so great at this. But I never felt called to do that work. Like, it was always just kind of like, eh, like, I'm not really interested. When I discovered AFC, and I realized that um, there's aspects of financial psychology and empathy included in the coursework and the expectations around how you engage with your clients, that like triggered, I mean, a massive reaction within me that ultimately um, positioned me to want the AFC, but then beyond that, the CFT. Um, I'm actually even inspired at this point to go back to school and and get the doctorates, right, in, in financial psychology. So like, I mean, when I talk about the way that uh, financial trauma and this topic has lit a fire in me to just do it all, <laughs> like it, it has really lit a fire in me. Like I, I, I want to see that doctor in front of my name. I want to um, have the credentials, but less important than the credentials, I think at this point for me is have like the methods and the research and then be able to publish my own research because when we look at financial therapy, um, financial psychology, and then, you know, niched all the way down to financial trauma, specifically as it impacts Black people and other people of color, I feel like there's an aspect of cultural competence that's often not included. There's an aspect of um, the history of Black Americans in this country and around the world, but specifically in this country, that's not included. Um, and when we talk about how those things are, um, I'm going to be facetious here and say mysteriously left out of coursework and academia, and then we go into the communities that we serve and almost pass judgment on people for not being able to get out of debt or for um, engaging in predatory lending practices, whether that is the, um, the payday loans or you know, just the lack of information, what I realize is that it's not always a lack of information. Sometimes it's just a lack of access or having to operate out of um, survival. So, you know, we talk about this all day, every day. Um, and shout out to our weekly Twitter space. Uh, so we have a Twitter space on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern time where a, we all hang out with a bunch of other Black personal finance careers and we talk about some deep topics and, and this is a reoccurring theme that we talk about how do um financial education and the financial education that we deliver impact other black people um how do we get recognized in the space or or, or make space 
for ourselves in the space. And uh, Tiffany and I co-host it. It's always massive engagement. We do very well. And then she posts the replays on her podcast, which I've been a guest on, I think, three times now. (laughs) (laughs) When I I tell you that, like, we are personal finance besties, like, it's not a joke. Um, But but digging back in to... you know, the customer facing side of things. What do you say um, is the biggest obstacle? I mean, looking at this through the lens of financial trauma, certainly, what is the biggest obstacle that you find um, your clients are facing or having to um, need the most handholding and overcoming when you're working with them? Yeah, absolutely. So really quick, um, the PhD route, that's exactly what I'm working on right now, because I'm like, I want to publish this research. Like, I want to make sure the industry knows, um, you know, some of these struggles. But to answer your question, uh, when I'm working with clients, honestly, it's the mindset thing. Um, It's not really that. So let me give you an example. Okay. So People come to me and sometimes they're crying in our first meeting, like they're in tears. They're just like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Things just aren't going right. I don't know, you know, what to do. I'm stuck between a a rock and a hard place. You know, they're just in that type of um, energy, that type of mindset. And so what I typically have to do is try to get them out of that energy, because if you're in that energy, it's going to be hard for you to kind of strategize and think strategically strategically, think creatively, um, think about solutions if you're constantly thinking about the problem. And so to give you an example, one thing that I'll do is I'll say, you know what? Okay, let's just forget about all of the money troubles right now, right? Let's just dream. And part of that dream let's just say, what do you want your ideal situation to look like? And so when I ask them that question, they're like, hmm, that's a good question. Then they start talking about how, you know, maybe they have millions in the bank. Maybe they, um, you know, are debt free, maybe, you know, all of those different types of things. And what I'm doing is I'm creating goals as they're talking, right? So it's different than me saying, okay, well, what are your financial goals? And if, and if somebody's already in a state of panic and a state of, oh my gosh, I can't get out of this, then of course they're not going to come up with the real goals because they can't think straight. So when I frame it like that, it allows me to get access to what they really want. And then I'm taking notes like, okay. So I heard you say having savings, all right? So build an emergency fund or build a savings account. Um, I heard you say you want to be debt-free, okay? So that means let's go ahead and get debt-free. And so I'm writing down all these goals as they're dreaming and as they're talking about what they aspire to have, I'm making goals. And so what that does is that takes them out of the mindset that, everything's negative, right? And we've uh, we've just switched it to positive. So the tears dry up, <laughs> you know, they don't know what I'm doing on the back end until after they're done. After they're done, I'm like, now, how do you feel? Like, how does that feel to you? And so we start getting into the emotional aspect. And then I tell them, well, this is what I heard your goals are. <laughs> and then I'll read them back. And they're like, oh, you know, that's a good point. You're right. And so it's really the mindset that gets people stuck. It's really the emotional, it's really the mind. Um, In other situations, you know, people are like, 
I don't think I can take this vacation. I don't think I have the money. I need to pay this. I need to do that. Da, da, da. But when we sit there and we go through the budget, lo and behold, not only can they take the vacation, all their bills are paid. <laughs> you know, they can also do some debt payoff. You know, it doesn't look as uh, dire as they thought it did. And so I will say that is the biggest thing that I work with people on the most. And honestly, a lot of my clients call me their therapist. Now, I don't claim that I'm their therapist, but they'll call me their therapist. Sometimes we get on a call and we talk about everything but what we're supposed to be talking about, but it helps them get unstuck and then they can get back on track. And so I would say that's the biggest, the biggest thing. Let me ask a question. So, do you have or have you had clients who are having an issue with mindset, but are not necessarily struggling financially? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. For instance, the person that came to me crying, right? Um, that one situation I was just telling you about, they have they have money. <laughs> they have plenty of money. Um, of course, they have debt too, but they were looking at it like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how I'm making it every month, you know, that type of thing. And just all, already in that mindset that they have a lack when they really did it. And so it wasn't until we went through that uh, exercise, you know, got our budget down and stuff. And they're like, I got how much at the end of the month? <laughs> like, <laughs> if I follow this, how much will I have? You know, and it's eye opening for them. So that happens all the time. I have clients that are well into the six figures that still come to me because of the mental part. Um, and so it affects people not only, and I've had clients that make $10 an hour um, and come to me for the mental part. So it really ranges and it affects everybody if you let it. Now, of course, I tell people awareness is first, then the education, and then the action. So once you start doing those things, you become aware then you get the education in order or the help, you know, that you need in order to get through that. And then you start putting things in action. That's the only way things are going to change. That's so dope. The awareness, the education, the action. Because um, when I talk about financial trauma, I talk about the three E's and I go exposure, education, execution, which is like literally the same thing. The same and, you thing. know, um, <laughs> Stephen Hughes, uh, shout out to Steve. Uh, he's going to be a guest in the future, hopefully. Um, but he is a financial therapist, Reiki practitioner, also another one of, of, of our personal finance besties. He talks about the four legs of financial wellness. Um, and I don't remember exactly how he phrases his, but it's literally like a reiteration of that same thing. So what I'm seeing as I engage with more people in the space, um, is a, that I didn't create, you know, this method, right. But that this method works, that, that we stumble upon or, you know, whether it's through our own experience or through, you know, something that we've read that we've learned about the, the pathway to accomplishing um, really anything, right, financially and maybe even outside of the financial goals is knowing that a thing exists, getting educated on how to make that thing yours, and then taking the action on what it is that you learned. So that's super huge. Um, I, I just I asked that question because I think that there is a neck, there's a there's a connotation around the work that we do that suggests that only the only people that need these services are people who are struggling. And so I think it's super important for us to highlight 
not only the stories of poverty and lack, but the stories of people who are doing well financially, who are thriving, who still need help with this mindset stuff. Because I think, you know, financial education, financial empowerment, financial trauma can manifest in anybody at any income level. And, um, and, and that's what makes the work that we do um, so important mm -hmm. because it's, it's, um, it's universal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what I'll say to that is because I've worked with millionaires, right? So I've used to work at a firm um, with the only clients they had was millionaires and they need help too. <laughs> like is nobody is really exempt from this. And really I tell people, even if you feel like you're doing well, there's always a, a area where you can improve. So I, for instance, have clients that are making multi six figures, but there's always something that they can be doing better. And sometimes you need that outside person looking in to kind of point that out to you like, huh, like, have you ever thought about this? Or have you ever thought about that? Or what you just said there sounds like it may be a trigger or what you just said there sounds like it may be some trauma coming up, you know, um, but you're sometimes you don't realize it, even myself, like I don't realize a certain trauma until I'm talking to somebody else about that same trauma. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that me too? Like, <laughs> you know, sometimes you need someone to point that out and that could be anybody anybody like I'm even thinking about these billionaires out here and sometimes I'll look at their stories or look at what they're saying and doing and I'm like oh mm. <laughs> like, that's some drama there um, so yeah I definitely wanted to just re-emphasize that yeah I, the billionaire's statement is really funny because we see like the meltdowns that um Elon Musk is having around firing Twitter. <laughs> I tried not to say it. That's why I said the billionaire. We, we see the meltdowns that uh, Kanye West has with, um, you know, all the brand deals pulling out. And, you know, there's some politics there. But still, you know, when it comes to, to money and having access to money. And I think there is an isolating factor that exists as billionaires, too, where you can't relate anymore to everyday people. Um, even though you are an everyday person, right? And so I think there's huge need for mindset work um, for people who are super high net worth. I mean, I don't even think that that's considered high net worth. I mean, that's like, <laughs> you know, stratosphere, outside of the stratosphere levels. But um, you said something that, that triggered a thought in me and you said, Sometimes when you're working with people, you'll realize that a trigger may be your own. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So we've had conversations about, um, actually, I think we did a whole space around it, where an individual posted on Twitter, if you have credit card debt, why are you writing about personal finance? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we and, and others had feelings about that because I think that there is like this um, I would consider it a positive stereotype, but it has a negative impact that people who talk or teach about personal finance have their financial houses in order at all times. So, you know, let's let's pull the layers back and, you know, I can put myself on a chopping board um, when it comes to. I don't want to use the word imposter syndrome, but I just can't think of another one right now mm -hmm. when it comes to feeling of self-doubt or feelings of 
um, being fraudulent in a space where people uh, demand so much of you, right? In terms of credentials, in terms of experience, in terms of your own personal net worth. How do you navigate the um, different levels of influence that says you are not good enough or that you are too good to deliver this content based off of a variety of factors that make you you, right? Your education, your income, your experience, your credentials, your time in the space. Like, how do you navigate all of those expectations is the better question. Yeah. So I struggled with this for a little bit, but I just made a Twitter post and I think I'd repost it on Facebook too, but it was saying, don't allow your struggle to become your identity. Right. And for me, that was so powerful because that my, powerful. I, that, my identity was so tied up into what I do and what I did that I felt like why should people listen to me? Because I'm sitting here, you know, going, I, at the time I was going through financial abuse, you know, I have some of the outcomes, you know, today. And I'm like, you know, for 2020, 2021, I took a step back from money talk because I was like, how can I teach people about what I know when I'm struggling over here with the same type of situations. And when I say that credit card debt, um, dealing with having to live month to month, you know, that type of thing. Now, what I realized, and this was just this year. So coming out of that situation, which I'm not going to go into depth with, but coming out of that situation, I said, okay, Tiffany, you have to separate yourself, like separate um, who you are and what you know from what you're going through. And once I did that, I'm like, you know, I, even if I have to go to ground zero, even if I have to go to the lowest credit score I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> I know that I have helped people get from that point so I can do it for myself. And also for me, what has helped is being transparent and honest with my audience, with my clients. And so if we're talking about something, um, let's say I'm in a session, we're talking about something and you're like, I'm like, you know, I completely understand where you're coming from because I'm currently going through the same thing. People don't look at that as, oh my gosh, you don't know what she's talking about because they've already seen some of the results. So they're just like, wow, Tiffany's being real transparent with me right now. And I appreciate that. That's usually the response that I get. And so at the end of the day, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what you do for work. So sometimes this stuff will come up and at the end of the day, just realize that you are not the struggle that you're going through right now. And you have to separate that person from that situation. And even if it looks really dire, there's always a way that you can get out of it. And if you're in that mode or that energy of feeling like I'm not good enough, guess what? you won't be good enough, <laughs> you know? And so I had to step out of that myself and step out of myself and say, okay, Tiffany, you know what you know, you know, you've built up this platform with everything that you've been teaching, you know, paying off debt, all that stuff, just implement what you've been saying and be transparent about it. And so that's kind of the route that I took in my situation and still take <laughs> in, in my situation is that, 
I don't allow the struggle to become my identity. It's just a part of what's going on right now, but it's not permanent. And also there's a way out of it. So I'm not worried. Yeah, I, I think that that advice is super, um, super important to share, right? As, as financial educators, as would-be financial educators, as uh, consumers of this content, right? We all experience financial trauma um, in some way, shape, or form. And my uh, reason for kind of like struggling with this or surfacing this is that, you know, when I type my name into Google and I'm starting to type my name into Google, one of the things that I noticed started um, appearing was net worth, right? So like people are searching Rakim Sabri net worth. And I was just like, hmm, that's interesting. So I shared it in a tweet and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm wondering why are people searching my net worth as if that has anything to do with my ability to teach on this topic? And somebody responded and said that, well, you are asking for somebody to give you money in exchange for your information. They are entitled to do their own due diligence. And so I'm like, hmm, so does, does due diligence then mean that if, and so this is my question to you, mm-hmm. if I am making a minimum wage income, can I, with all of the knowledge, experience, credential that I have, still educate or counsel a millionaire? Absolutely, because your experience is going to be completely different than theirs. And see, that's the thing. And that was the point I made um, when that tweet came out that you said in the beginning was that, honestly, If somebody, let's say, for instance, I'm trying to pay off credit card debt, okay? And there's somebody that they started with six figures and now they're down to like, let's say, I don't know, 50,000. Am I going to listen to them? Absolutely. Even though they're still on the journey to pay off credit card debt, I'm still going to listen to them because they're further than I've gotten, (laughs) you know? Um, And then also another example I gave on that same post was, Um, Because somebody was like, oh, that's like listening to somebody. Why would you listen to somebody that has debt um, when, you know, whatever, we already went through this. So another example I gave was because they was like, that's like um, listening to advice from a fat person when you're trying to lose weight. And I said, well, if they started at 500 pounds and they're now 250 I'm going to listen to them because they have gone further than I have ever gone. Like if I'm trying to just lose 50 pounds, this person has already lost 250. So their advice is going to be super important, even if they don't weigh as much as me. Their advice is going to be super important for me to take off my only 50 pounds. You know what I'm saying? So that's my thing. I feel like we can all learn from anybody, really anybody. Um, I have conversations quite often, you know, with people on the street, um, people that are um, previously incarcerated, what have you. I learn stuff from everybody, literally everybody. And so for someone to be so short-sighted or, you know, because I've had people look up net worth too, so (laughs) don't feel bad. Uh, But for people to be that surface level, then they may not need to contact you anyway, to be real with you. Like maybe they maybe they need to contact you because (laughs) that's that's you know, they're looking at it from just a one-dimensional perspective. 
Yeah, it's too it's too surface level. Um, and see, when you start thinking deeper, like the comment about you know taking advice from a fat person, well, okay, how fat were they? <laughs> like you're not thinking a little deeper than just the surface level. You're just like, oh, that's a fat person. You shouldn't listen to them. No, I want to know how they got to where they are. You know, uh, so a lot of people don't think, and that's uh, second order thinking. So a lot of people have first order thinking where they're only thinking about the surface level stuff and not thinking any deeper than that. For me, I feel like people that have gone through something, so like the credit card debt, or let's say they hit rock bottom, or let's say, uh, you know, they started at a thousand pounds. Like, I feel like those people have the most advice and the best advice, honestly, uh, because if, you can't relate to the person. Like if they've never gone through a struggle, then they may be just thinking, I mean, they may just be talking from book smarts, which is all fine and dandy, but a lot of this stuff is practical knowledge. And so I can read all the books and stuff that I want, but there's a lot of stuff that the books doesn't teach me. The book doesn't doesn't teach me some of these tactics and skills and stuff that I learned. I had to go through it firsthand and that's how I learned them. So anyway, I know that's a long story for no, a short I mean, I question. Think that that, I think that that context is super important. And I love the example that you give of the fat person, you know, giving you, you know, diet advice or weight loss advice, because um, you're right. People have this very one dimensional view of the world. And I think that, you know, the opposite um, is equally true, right? People are um, buying into this uh, lifestyle marketing that a lot of times is fabricated, but in the instances where it's not, you have um, individuals going out there and buying like, you know, the Rolex, the Gucci, the um, the G-Wagon, like they're, they're buying these things to show other people, look, I have things of value to then turn around and sell a product or a service and all of their worth is based off of the items that they're presenting without, and I don't want to make this blanket statement, but, you know, for the sake of this example, without the context or the experience to validate those purchases, right? I could have, or I could today go and buy a Rolex. I could go and buy, you know, Gucci or whatever and post it all over my Instagram. But then I would, I would be carrying all of that debt on a liability just to say, well, hey, I have these items, you should you know, buy my course or buy my service. And so when you talk about being authentic, being transparent, um, letting people know who you are, I think like that's the, the, the curse of people who, who lead with empathy, who lead with their hearts, is that we have to fight against this tide that says, well, you know, you're not living in the luxury apartment, with the private driver and, you know, you're not going, I mean, there's so many examples that we can, mm -hmm. that we can uh, talk about. And I don't want to, you know, shame or throw shade at anybody. There, there are people out there who are doing these things and who are making a lot of good money. But um, the ethical dilemma for me is in misrepresenting or representing a lifestyle that um, is, is curated only to acquire clients, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not somebody who particular. I've never bought anything Gucci. So for me to go out and buy something Gucci just to get a customer, like that's inauthentic. Um, would I buy a Rolex? Yes. But to get a customer, that's inauthentic. And it makes you a target. Um, something else that you said that like really kind of like triggered me was 
separating the work that you do from the person that you are, right? So like the brand Rakim Sabri and the person Rakim Sabri appear almost synonymously, right? Because I use my experiences, I use my stories, I use, you know, the different things that I've gone through to illustrate these points, but also realizing like, I am not my accomplishments, right? I am not the publications that I've been featured in or the awards that I've gotten. Like, I'm so much more than that. And I was talking to my dad about this recently where um, I said, and I was talking to my mom about it too, actually. But I said, you know, there are people in my life who are in my life based off of the hype, right? Based off of things that they've seen me accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who are in my life who have been a part of my life since before all of that. Mm -hmm. And so the difficult thing, um, but simultaneously rewarding thing is navigating who's showing up for Rakim because of Rakim, not because of at Rakim Sabri. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because I was talking to another creator about this too, because, you know, I had got into like a a little funk. I'm like, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I'm like, it's not like getting as much traction. You know, there's people just coming on the scene and just boom, like they're there, you know? And I'm like, I've been working so hard. And one thing that I realized is that people like to sensationalize things, okay? Because sensationalizing things sells. Now, not to say that these people aren't getting it or what have you, but I noticed that there's a lot of sensationalism going on and especially in the world of personal finance. And, you know, there's people like um, pocket watching with JT, for instance, he like puts these people (laughs) on the spotlight and he like digs into why like this is not real. Um, So anyway, check him out. He's funny. But uh, there's a lot of sensationalizing happening. And unfortunately, what that does for our community, because, you know, Unfortunately, we are like, oh, you know, glitz glamour. Like, I want to make sure I make it big like that person and da, 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 da. And so what happens is our people get stuck into, you know, buying courses or buying this or buying that from these people that really have no idea what they're talking about in real life. <laughs> but it's just that they have sensationalized this lifestyle and they've done this lifestyle marketing to make it more, um, you know, marketable pretty much to people. Now, I also want to hit on another thing that you said, which was, um, you know, how you were thinking, well, this is an ethical dilemma, dilemma for me. And see, this is something that I stand on and I stand on my values. Okay. So for instance, when I started this, I was not expecting to make any money, <laughs> to be real with you. I just did this for passion. I just did this to educate. I just did this for the community. Um, and as, um, you know, uh, and as, what's the word I'm looking for? Accountability for myself, you know? And so that's why I started this. And that's still why I keep this going. It's not really like, I barely look at my stats. I barely look at my followers. I barely look at anything like that anymore because I'm just like, that's not what I'm here for. You know, I get people to tell me, well, Tiffany, you know, what's your podcast down? Did you know? I barely look at that stuff. And even when I've tried to like, oh, maybe I should do this this way in order to make more money or do this this way in order to get more whatever. It never worked out. So I'm like, let me just do what's important to me. Um, And I feel like if you have that ethical, moral compass, 
um, to follow that versus going with what everybody else is doing. And, you know, we've had this discussion too about different things, um, you know, as it relates to my values and stuff, but that's what's important to me. So I'm not going to lose sight of that. And at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody else is doing. They could be driving around and uh, have a personal driver in the, I don't know, what's a fancy car now? I was about to say Maybach, but I'm like, that's the 90s, ain't it? Um, but, you know, <laughs> they could be at a fancy whatever. I'm still going to drive my Mazda CX-7 2010 um, that's barely getting around. Like it really needs, I have an oil leak real bad. My garage is a mess, but um, <laughs> it needs work. But I'm going to keep driving that bad boy around till it don't drive anymore. Why? Because I don't care what people think. Like when I show up places, I show up as me. If they look at me and they're like, oh, like she looks like she's struggling. Okay. So what? <laughs> so what? And at the end of the day, when I open my mouth, then you're going to be like, oh, like she, oh, this is a, I didn't expect that. Great. That's exactly what I want you to do. So my thing is, you know, be authentic to yourself know what your values are. That's important too. Real quick, just a quick digression. Know what your values are. A lot of times we say, oh, you know, what's important to me is my kids and, you know, family and, you know, going to whatever. Know exactly what your values are because when you come across situations and always be in, in tap with that too, because when you come across situations that don't align, you can automatically say, you know what? Nope, that does not align. It's not going to be a gray area there. It's just going to be black and white. Does it align or does it not align? If you don't know what your values are, there's a possibility you can get into that gray area. And then if you make a decision that goes against your values, then you're going to feel bad. Then that comes, that goes back to, you know, the whole cycle of negativity and trauma, blah, blah, blah. And so knowing your values, y'all, is so very important. Have that compass available at all times. So that way, when you are presented with situations that may or may not go against your values, you know, yes or no. Um, and I will say that's what happened to me in corporate America. Um, there was a situation where my values were being tested and I said, you know what? Nope, this does not align. I'm out and put in my two week notice as soon as they thought that it, they was going to have that over on me. I said, yeah, no, I'm gone because <laughs> there's no gray area here. It's either black or white. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's super, uh, super important and super dope. And there's a, a bunch of thoughts that I had as you were talking. The first thought was that you're a low key celebrity in these spaces. Right. So like people are not going to look at you like, oh, you know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be surprised. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, our first time meeting in person was at FinCon. And I just every time I saw you, you were with somebody else. So I, th I know that that's a testament to your um to your networking ability, but also to the fact that people know who you are. Um, second thing was that you said sensationalism sells. And I think you and I are the embodiment of the fact that um, authenticity also sells. People connect to that, they relate to that, they value that, they see that. Mm -hmm. And when somebody doesn't have to try to figure you out, when somebody can just mm -hmm. look at you, hear you, talk to you and know like you are the real deal, 
it's a win-win because you get to go to sleep at night at peace and you get to have the impact that people are um are fabricating mm-hmm. yeah, and, and you know there, there's no other way to to really put it mm-hmm. um so yeah i think you know we gave the audience a lot i'm gonna end it here why don't you tell the people where they can find you and just let them know again what are the services that you offer um because i would love for somebody to be able to connect with you through this platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can find me moneytalkwitht.com. That is my hub. That's my website. You can find the blog there. You can find link to all the podcast episodes. The podcast is called Money Talk with Tiff. And then on all social media platforms is at Money Talk with T. And when I say all, I mean literally all because I have a social media addiction, but you can find me at that tag everywhere. Um, And then also, what do I offer people? It's a ton, but (laughs) in a nutshell, I do financial counseling, which we talked about a lot today. Uh, I also speak. So if you're looking for speakers, let me know. I'm your girl. Uh, I also do small business consulting as well, because, you know, as I hit on very early in the interview, I love business. And so I realized actually this year, yeah, y'all, I'm still figuring myself out that business is my trade. Uh, I've gone to school for it for so long. I've learned so much. And so I'm like, this is my trade, just like an electrician has theirs, just like a plumber has theirs business is my trade. So now I help other black and brown small businesses get their stuff in order so that way they can flourish um, and stuff too. So those are pretty much, and I also have a digital marketing firm. Didn't really talk about that, but if you're looking for websites, social media management, all that good stuff, um, come to your girl as well. So (laughs) Fantastic. Tiffany, I appreciate you uh, jumping up here and, and being my second guest. So this, this is episode two. I'm two for two now. I have two guests, two decorated guests. <laughs> and um, and I look forward to, to seeing this go live and to um and to seeing this grow. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited. And thank you so much for inviting me. It is my honor and my pleasure. And maybe I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, please definitely come back. <laughs> All right, bye. All right. <laughs> Hey guys, Rakim Sabri here, and I just wanted to drop by and thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please share with your friends, rate my episode on whatever your preferred listening platform is. And if you have any feedback, reach out to me on social everywhere at Rakim Sabri, no underscores, hyphens, or periods. Until next time, I'll see you guys in the comments.